For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, you ready? Let's rock out. Yeah, man. Yeah, let's do it. Professor, I'm here every week chopping it up with my man Cody Lashney. What is up? How are you doing, my friend? Tony, I come to you with a heavy heart, man. I need to get something off of my chest, and I figure what a better way to do it than on the show, on the podcast. I have to come clean with a dirty secret, my man, and I'm just gonna come out and say it. I paid the referees. I was not gonna have the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl. I paid the referees. I did what I had to do. The damage is done. I'm sorry. I had to get it off my chest. What else can I say, man? It's Tuesday night. I'm here with Tony Dunn. We're talking Panthers football. What else is there to say, man? I'm ready to go. Well, the good news for Panther fans as we watch playoffs go down is that Saints fans are very sad this week, right? Uh, we'll be talking about the the call, the missed call, the blown, the missed opportunity to throw a flag uh, that resulted in the Los Angeles Rams winning the NFC Championship and advancing over the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we'll also be talking tonight, guys. This Tonight's show is this. London calling, Saints blew that, and the Panthers' defense undergoing philosophical change. Thank you guys for joining us in the chat room. We go ahead and encourage you to smash that thumbs up button. Thank you, James Woodley, for the super chat, man. How generous is that? Um, uh, tons, tons of thanks uh, to Susan Dean, who uh, 
who's donated on Patreon. You can find that information in the show notes on YouTube. But really, folks, what we want you to do is help us just grow Panther Nation. You can do that by participating in the YouTube chat, sharing the stream on any Facebook group or or wherever you hang out and talk about the Carolina Panthers. And go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. We're the longest-running show, and tonight's episode is 18.51. Uh, We're one away from 52 every Tuesday. We don't miss a beat unless it's a holiday and we'll make it on Wednesday. But, Cody, let's go ahead and uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into the show um, we're going to be expecting a guest here shortly, Bob Rose from the Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, he hangs a lot with the guys from Under the Dome podcast who are right now. Probably if you want to go watch some Saints in a really sad move, check them out after our show. But this week, the New Orleans Saints, they fell, Cody. They fell to the Los Angeles Rams. In fact, I would argue, actually, I just say this, they didn't fall to the Rams the refs body slammed them just like in your video there. Now, I went to Twitter and I said this. The way that the Saints lost was less satisfying than if they just got beat square, punched in the face to me. But a lot of Panther fans are relishing, enjoying the moment when it comes to uh, the New Orleans Saints and the way they lost and the sadness that their fans are feeling. Cody... Uh, tell us if you how you feel about it, and then right after that, go ahead and bring in Bob. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, let's just be honest. Uh, it was a definite pass interference. I think anyone with a set of eyes knows that it was a pass interference. I think it was also a, a helmet to helmet. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's definitely uh, – I, I understand if you're a Saints fan how you're devastated. I mean, all I know is I'm a little bit jaded. Because I know whenever the Carolina Panthers go to the Superdome, there's always a ton of no calls that that I feel like we never get. But hey, man, you know everyone has their fandom and their bias, and um, and it's all subjective, you know. But I I kind of I, I don't agree with Sean Payton's um game plan at that point in time, choosing to uh throw the ball instead of run the ball and take down the clock and put yourself in an opportunity to be able to kick a field goal and uh, basically win, win the game at that point in time. So it's a tough one, man. I, I know people are pissed off. Go ahead and bring in Bob. We're going to get his perspective on this. We want to see what New Orleans Saints fans are doing. Christian must leave. He says this, hey, what about all the, the calls the Rams didn't get? Now, look, as I can understand, is that it's, it's not necessarily the best um, – you know, scenario to say that the refs blew a game for you and you're pointing to a call maybe somewhere earlier in the game or something like that. But this was a, this was so clear and, and so blatant at a time that a first down would have automatically run for a clock, for the clock to not work. I mean, for the clock in the game to be over. I don't see how anybody can't say that not throwing that flag was the reason that this team didn't win. Now, um, on top of that, I feel like is that even if he would have caught the football, that was still a penalty, a helmet to helmet. And um, I, I would rather see the Saints get beat in the face than for, the, for them to have to be able to say, well, the refs did this to us for a year. Bob, are you there? Can you hear us? 
No, Bob. I'm going to drop him out and try and pull him back. Maybe you can try talking to him because sometimes the guests don't like to hear me. So (laughs) so one of the things uh, that that was a big deal to me for this is that I empathize with fans who have have felt so much hope and so much an excitement in a moment that that it's lost in that. And all I could think about myself is other than look is I certainly did not want the saints to win at all in this game, but all I could think is how elusive a super bowl actually is how difficult it is and how all this can come down to a singular play. Now, last year when the Minnesota Vikings made that awesome play and uh, Stefan Diggs took it to the house. I was laughing, ha 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 ha, in your face, because <laughs> that's true heartbreak in a way that you got beat. You got beat, but I could not imagine what it would be like to have uh, to be that close. I I argue that this I haven't seen a a more impactful call in a sports contest or a football game than this that I can remember. I respectfully, very respectfully disagree with you, my man, because this was a catch, my man. Jericho Cartier caught that pass in the Super Bowl. It may not have been as egregious, but if Jericho would have uh, been ruled what it should have been, a catch, then uh, the strip sack isn't a touchdown in the end zone. Our defense has a chance to make a stand. That was a big moment for us. Jericho Cotry caught that football, man. We're on different pages, but it's okay, man. I do understand. It was a bad call by the refs. Yeah, um, it was it, it was a bad one. We're going to try and bring in Bob one more time and see if um, he can hear us and we can hear him. And try and get his opinion on the matter. Bob, are you there? It says connection retrying. Hold on yeah. one second. Let the internet catch up with the fastest insane podcast on the internet. <laughs> Bob, are you there? No, Bob. All right, Bob. No, Bob. Well, we'll try to catch you again a different time. Man, that's either up. that or Bob. Try and um, uh, refresh, exit out, and come back in. We'll try one more time, and if it doesn't work, then we'll 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 grab you another time, my man. All right. So look, I'm certainly not crying for the Saints. I don't feel bad for necessarily Sean Payton or Cameron jo- or all that. I do want to. I want though, if I was to win this game, is that. I would wish my team had won in a more authentic, honest way. You know, is that at some yeah. point you feel like, man, like, yeah, I technically won, but I know that I also flipped the die one time when you weren't looking. And so there is some sort of integrity in my trash talk. Like, I want to laugh in your face on the internet when we win yeah. the Super Bowl. When we beat your team, I don't, I I do think that this was so egregious. Now I was trying to think about this is that you said that the Kotri catch was as pivotal and as decisive. The only other, you know, one, one game and I'm picking all games that Panther fans aren't going to like 
they picked up that flag on Monday night football against, I think it was Monday night or Sunday night football against the Patriots where Luke Keekley ran into that receiver while that ball was in the air. And that was arguably, a, 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 you know, it could have gone. I mean, I'm glad they picked it up. I do think that, hey, it would have been a little soft of a flag. But that one actually decided the outcome of a game. Um, but a game that had much lower stakes, right, than an NFL. You mean, uh, you mean that Monday Night Football uh, against the Patriots of Luke on, on Gronk? Yes. Yeah, okay. I do remember that. Yeah, and I think uh, Luke even later went on to admit that that probably should have been a, should have been a flag. Right. Um, but the stakes much lower. Let's go ahead and try to bring Bob in one more time and see if this works. I'll keep talking about it uh, as you do that. You know, I think, too, you, you point to the Cotri catch and you go, hey, this could have led to this, could have led to this. That penalty, though, would have led to the down and distance required to win, right? That is like, is once they would have gotten that penalty, they would have just taken a knee and the game would have been over. So I think with the Cotri yeah. issue that you would have just had to, like, I mean, some other things would have had to have happened still. Yeah, there, there definitely would have been some other things to to have to have happened. Um, I think that whole game, they were officiating very lightly. Uh, I think there was a bunch of flags that could have went either way that were not thrown and called. Uh, I think the referees just kind of made a point to say, hey, we're going to let them play and, and let bygones be bygones and um, just see how it goes. Bob, can you hear us? This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Bob Rose, can you hear us? We can see you. Make sure you... Can you hear me? Hey, Bob. Can I you can hear, hear you. Yeah, Tone. Yeah. All right. So, Bob, if you could tell us this. The, after you guys have been robbed by that game, which was clearly a flag, how are you dealing with this as a Saints fan? Well, I tried to put my fist through the wall uh, six times. Six or seven times right after the game. Uh, but most of my sports collectibles made it through the evening. Um, and I heard you guys talking about the Minnesota game last year. And you're right. It is such a different feeling. Uh, a lot of Saints fans, as I'm, as I'm sure you guys can imagine, are going through uh, the seven stages of sports grief right now. And a lot of them are stuck in anger. Uh, look, I'm just – it. It is what it is. Uh, the Rams are not going to have an asterisk by this NFC championship. Uh, it sh it's tainted, and it should be tainted. But you know what? If the George Hallis Trophy is going to their place, not New Orleans, uh, the Lombardi Trophy, if they win it, is going in their trophy case, not New Orleans. And there's not a darn thing that anybody can do about it. Um, I, I, I'm sure you guys are seeing a lot of things about class action lawsuits and things like that. Uh, I, uh, fans throwing up a lot of clauses in the NFL rulebook that the commissioner has the power to overturn this game or to force a rematch. And while that is true, it, anybody that actually thinks that that's going to happen, uh, I, I've got swampland in New Mexico to sell you because uh, <laughs> it, it's not. Um, I don't know how closely you guys follow my work through the Canal Street Chronicles, but I posted an article this morning uh, to me, the headline says it all is that thievery robs Saints of NFC championship. But I went on in the piece to, to say, and I pointed out not only that play, 
uh, the pass interference slash helmet to helmet slash mugging in the night slash everything. Uh, but I went on to point out a couple other egregious calls. Uh, and I said, you know, this isn't referee incompetence. Uh, this is referee corruption. And I realize that that's a strong word and there's a lot of proof that would need to go into it. And I'm not going to sit here and say that the referee crew or the league or even Goodell himself is out to get the Saints. My point behind it was for so long now, we have seen the officials been given the power to influence the outcome of a game. And I know you guys are, are strong, strong football fans and football aficionados too more so than just the Carolina Panthers. All of us had the same fear that a championship game would come down to the black and white stripes. And that's exactly what happened. And that robbed fans of both sides. I hate, I hate having this conversation and I hated having the conversation all day today uh, with Rams fans or States haters, uh, why the referees were at fault or why the referees were not at fault. We should have been talking about two very, very good teams playing their butts off. But instead, we have to talk about this. And for that, I blame the league and the man at the very top. And to me, the, the entire thing needs to be investigated. How, well, do, you know, res- how do you respond ahead, to this? Me. And the one, my question to you is a lot of Panther fans and just around Twitter have said there were a lot of missed calls on the Saints against the Rams pointing to several face masks. To me... I feel like this one was, and this is just my opinion, you probably heard me at the beginning, is ultimately I felt like this one was a flag that was a real flag that would have led to a knee on the ground uh, for the next for the next end game over at that point. So to me, it's maybe a miss. It's kind of like, uh, you know, maybe not one play determines a game entirely, but as you get closer to the end of the game, they get exponentially more important. So, you know, the first play of the game and the last play of the game are not equal in plays in my and where I'm coming from. So how do you respond to people who say, look, is New Orleans uh, got away with a bunch of flags there and and, uh, this is just how it goes? Look, those guys, those people have a point. They do. Uh, You know, there were but we could sit down and watch every single NFL game played this year and say that was a hold and that was a face mask and that should have been called a personal foul. Uh, I agree with what you said. It's in the moment. And when something is that egregious, you have to throw the flag, especially when you have I saw two referees looking directly at the play. Other people claim three. Regardless, there should be at least one pair of eyes on that pass pattern. Roby Coleman and Tommy Lee Lewis. And there is no more text definition of pass interference and helmet to helmet than was on that play. Uh, you're right. I, the people that say, uh, the, you know, the people that say, well, this missed flag and th- that missed flag, they're, you know, they're, they're right. But you could sit through any football game and do that. Uh, and I acknowledge that in the article, too, uh, when I pointed out you know, the amount of times that Cam Jordan was getting mugged all game long. And I realized that that kind of thing is subjective. But when it comes down to a game changing and a game deciding play, you have to follow the rules. I'm not saying make an exception. I'm not even saying do or don't cheat. That was a violation of the rules, and it doesn't get any more clear than that. 
Bob, Bob, I hear everything that that you're saying. And listen, I mean, I, I try and put myself in your shoes. Obviously, I'm not a Saints fan. I have a brother who is, so our house gets lively uh, when the Panthers and the Saints play. But you know, I, I I understand the frustration must be immense. However, I do have to be honest with you, and I'm just going to shoot straight with you. And I definitely want to get your opinion on this. I feel <laughs> at the end of the game, the play calling for the Saints was kind of questionable. I don't really understand why Sean Payton, you're down the field. Why is Sean Payton choosing to throw the ball, throw a slant pass on first down instead of choosing to run the ball, eat up some more of the clock, and put yourself in position to be able to kick a field goal right there? Do do you think there's any onus on the Saints to have been better in this game? Because it, I, I do feel that for the majority of the football game, even though the Saints, it felt like they were dominating, the Rams were always right there. They, they were never out of the football game. So how much of this loss is on Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and the Saints team? There's a lot of loss on their shoulders. Um because although the game was basically decided by that interference, non-pass interference call, uh, it was still a very close game down the wire. And the Saints did leave a lot of opportunities on the field. Uh, the first two drives of the game, they got field goals. Uh, you have to convert at least one of those into touchdowns, especially after Demario Davis's interception put the ball at the Rams 16. Uh, yeah. And I think they got three three or four yards in the next three plays. You need to score touchdowns in those kind of situations. Uh, New Orleans was not able to run the ball effectively all day, and they rang up about 150 yards rushing when they played the Rams in October. Uh, so they, you need to, they didn't have a balanced attack because they were unable to run the ball effectively. The defense gave up a uh, Rams touchdown right at the end of the first half, and then we know uh, what happened at the end of the game. So when the game was on the line, the defense, who played well all game, uh, the defense came up a little bit short. Uh, And then the play calling at the end. I personally don't necessarily have a problem with that play because that's who Sean Payton and Drew Brees are. I heard that Sean Payton – I heard Sean Payton called a run and Drew Brees checked out of it. Uh, I have I've heard that too, but I haven't heard any uh, any acknowledgement one way or the other. Uh, not only from uh, you know, from either one of those guys, uh, but from people who cover the team even a little bit more closely than I do. I've not I've not heard uh, acknowledgement one way or another. Uh, those two guys, neither one would show uh, would throw the under other. Neither one would throw the other under the bus anyway. Um, but as far as that play call. I mean, it was an awful throw by Drew, by Drew Brees. It was at Michael Thomas's feet. Uh, what essentially happened was when, as soon as that play was incomplete, all of us realized it's like, okay, well, they can't run. The key was first down right there. If you run the ball, like you said, uh, then you're basically saying, okay, we're going to run the clock as far down as we can, kick the go-ahead field goal, and leave you with about 40 seconds on the clock with no timeouts. That's personally what I would have chosen to do. But Sean Payton is who Sean Payton is, and same with Drew Brees. I wasn't surprised to see them throw the ball. I was just disappointed, very disappointed in the execution of the play. I understand what you're saying. And, you know, I I remember thinking, you know, man, and this is another question I I wanted to, to put forth 
is after that Dallas Cowboys game, and after that loss in the season, it seems like something happened to that Saints offense that made it go from really high-powered to just enough to win the football game. So in your summation, what happened to this offense that was putting up crazy numbers every Sunday to make it go from that to kind of flat out of nowhere? Um, the four major factors. Uh, I think the number one key factor was injuries along the offensive line really started to take a toll. Uh, now, Armstead had been out for a couple of weeks by that Cowboys game. Uh, but, you know, Bushrod played well, but he was designed to only go for a short period of time. Uh, and then Pete got injured, uh, got injured as well. Actually had surgery on his hand going up and uh, going into the playoffs, but he was still beat up down the stretch and same with hunger. That's your center, your left guard and your left tackle. <clears throat> and we understand that, uh, that Warford and Ramchek weren't in terrific health either. So you know the offensive line wore down a little bit, and that was a uh, that was a unit that it dominated all year. Uh, that's that's factor number one. Factor number two was that the secondary, the complementary, uh, the complementary targets for the New Orleans Saints, they weren't doing their job. They weren't getting separation. Uh, they they weren't getting open well enough for Breeze, which allowed defenses to stack against the passing game against Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Factor three was, to me, it looked like Kamara wore down a little bit towards the end of the season. And um, because of that, he got a lot of carries and a lot of touches early on. Uh, and to me, he looked like he was worn down a little bit. Uh, he was rejuvenated and had two decent playoff games against the Eagles and, uh, and of course, the Rams. Uh, but but still, and this brings you to a whole other topic for the offseason, if the Saints don't re-sign Mark Ingram, who is a free agent, they're going to need a bona fide number two back to take some of that onus away from Camaro. And four, and this has drawn the ire of a lot of Saints fans, Drew Brees is, Drew Brees is a lot closer to the end than he is in the beginning. And it was my opinion, and I was fairly vocal about it, that down the stretch he had a tired arm. He can't get the ball deep like he used to, and defenses know that. It took them half the season this year uh, to realize that. Uh, but once that – and uh, Breeze is still as accurate as they come, the a most accurate quarterback in NFL history. Uh, but defenses no longer fear that deep ball. One reason is the Saints wideouts, other than Ginn, aren't geared to go deep. But the other is they don't think that the, they don't think that Drew can get the ball down the field, and in both playoff games this year he couldn't get the ball down the field. Uh, yeah. Even that pass to Ginn to set up, uh, you know, the couple of play, couple of plays before that uh, non-pass interference, uh, he, he completed that forty or thirty-five yard pass to to Ginn to put them in the red zone. But that ball was hanging up there like like a lollipop. Ted made a great in-air uh, in adjustment just to get to the ball. Best Otherwise, catch of Ted be Ginn's career. That was the best catch of Ted Ginn's career, to be honest. That was right up there if it wasn't the best. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that those four major factors are why the Saints offense struggled a lot down the stretch. All right, my last question for you, Bob, is this. is uh, I've heard some people talking about conspiracy theories. And the conspiracy theory – to have the Rams in over the Saints, um, 
what my, I, I want to get your thoughts on that, but I'm going to tell you what I think about this and what I don't understand about that theory is, uh, to me, I think the Saints makes one of the most compelling, the Saints-Patriots makes one of the more compelling Super Bowl matchups that you could think of. Tom Brady at the end of his career, Drew Brees towards the end of his career, two greats, right, and, and, and matching up there. I think there's plenty of storyline there. I what what is the belief behind the idea that having the Rams in is just overall better for the NFL? Reason number one, if you subscribe to the conspiracy, uh, reason number one is an LA LA team, LA market. They need to justify they being the league need to justify. Uh, yeah, the, the existence of the NFL back in Los Angeles. They are desperate to make this thing work. Now, I'm not saying that that's the conspiracy that's going on. I am just, you know, I'm, I, I like to add fuel to the fire every now and then. Uh, you know, that, that's the primary reason for a Los Angeles team in the Super Bowl. Uh, reason number two, who did the New England Patriots start their dynasty against? The Rams. The Rams. Oh, okay. And, I like um, that. And I, I don't think, I, I don't think any of us would disagree that the Patriots are at the end of their run, and the Rams could very well be at the beginning. Although they have all those mercenaries on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, uh, yeah they they have a very young offensive roster, uh, young coach, young quarterback, young running back, uh, and and a good solid on both lines. Uh, so the Rams could very well be at the beginning of a dynasty. And what juicier storyline is the Los Angeles Rams begin their new dynasty by ending the dynasty of the team that ended the St. Louis potential St. Louis Rams dynasty. To me, it's a juicy storyline. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm willing to subscribe to that particular conspiracy, uh, but it, it, it does make for some juicy water cooler talk. All right. Well, uh, okay, Bob. So we thanks for coming on the show. We wanted to get just kind of in this. Uh, hopefully you saw that this was not meant to be a rub it in your face moment, even though I'm sure plenty of Panther fans have done that. I was rooting for you guys to lose. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that that was a penalty, even if my man would have caught the ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if he caught the ball, that's still a penalty in this league, helmet to helmet. Um, yep. And and you got to wonder, too, if maybe the the way to adjust this going forward is to not make some radical overhaul of, uh, of the rules when it comes to review, but maybe as you get within the last five minutes of a game or you pick an arbitrary number, even if it's within two minutes – maybe uh that any play can be reviewed just uh by by the third party by wherever they're at new york or wherever they look at it from i don't know i don't want to over officiate a league but this is one of those rare cases where not throwing the flag usually it's the flag that's the problem (laughs) so that's bizarre all right what's the name of the story one more time so people can go check it out on canal street chronicles uh, thievery costs Saints an NFC, uh, NFC title. 
All right, Bob, thanks a lot for coming on. We're going to hit you back up after you guys get over this and we get back to just hating on you in the normal fashion. Definitely. I want to have you guys on my show in the off season too, as we go through, uh, go through the division, talk about free agency needs in the draft. Uh, like I said, it's a shame we have to sit here and have this kind of conversation because uh, it's always a pleasure to come on with you guys. And uh, the, the, the fans that follow your show are always very respectful to me as well. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we have a pretty bitter, uh, bitter but at least respected rivalry between uh, between our two factions. Yeah, if they, if you were the Falcons, if you were the Falcons, yeah, if you were the Falcons, though, I I don't even know if it would have mattered. Good point. Right back at you. Son. <laughs> All right, man. All right, Bob. You have a good one. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Cody. Uh, that's Bob oh, Rose. Nice, that's, right, man. that's Bob Rose, Canal Street Chronicles. Um, look, is Bob's come on this show uh, several times, and and I didn't want. And I know Panther fans like to talk big. There's a, every fan base likes to talk big. Like, ha ha, this makes it better. Uh, should I feel guilty that this makes me feel better? But y'all know that, like. You know, it's just like this is that it's tainted. I think that's a good word, tainted. It's just like uh, the Super Bowl, the Patriots cheating in the Super Bowl. That's tainted stuff. And it's just not the same substance. I wanted them to lose. I wanted, uh, to me, I think the real reason that the Saints actually deserve to win that game is what the hell are they doing benching Todd Gurley for some damn C.J. Anderson? there's got to be something wrong with Todd Gurley there has to be something wrong that's another thing there is no way in hell Todd is healthy right now I mean why would he be on the sideline on the bike pedaling during the football game during maybe the biggest game no definitely the biggest game that he's ever been in in his entire life they may not be telling you what's wrong with Todd Gurley but he is definitely not healthy or else they would have not been uh, just relentlessly pounding C.J. Anderson up the middle. All right, you're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. You can call into the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. You can follow us on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. Go ahead, turn your phone to portrait mode, smash that thumbs up button, subscribe, share the show. Uh, Christian Musleave says, they announced today that Gurley is hurt. I know he was nursing an injury. He did play in the game was crazy to see him standing there and cj anderson in the game but let's go to the big news back to panthers because is if anything this discussion cody was because this is a rival uh you know uh, as you get closer and closer to the super bowl how much more those games mean to the other team um and i am glad they lost uh, and, and that that saints fans are miserable uh but actually before let's finish it out cody let's go ahead and play the video of a tweet I saw that I loved that said, you ever been to a party that turned into a funeral? Here it goes. <laughs> uh, I, before I play it, I want to read what I labeled the, uh, what I labeled the video. Uh, I put, ain't no party like a New Orleans Saints party, because a New Orleans Saints party comes to an abrupt stop. Sorry, Bob. We see Bob Rose in the chat room. Sorry, man. We had to, dude. 
Yeah, man. They uh, th- those went from some happy Saints fans to some real disappointed ones. Boy, boy. Uh, you know, and I did what I do. One point I thought was interesting. I was going to ask when Bob was on is for the people that do say that one call doesn't influence the game or one play isn't the determinant of the game. Are were those same people saying Gano didn't lose us those games when he missed those kicks? Like you have, to, you mean, better stay consistent. You just best stay consistent. I would say. Yeah, I mean you you would have to listen. I like I said, and I think that Bob really, you know, he hit on something. And you know, I was talking about this with with my brother, who's a diehard Saints fan. And you know, Drew Brees, man, he was missing some throws. Um, you know, it, it does seem now like that the you know, as Bob alluded to, that deep ball, which used to be just money for him, kind of just isn't there anymore. And um I think the that teams knew that and they saw that and they were able to game plan around that. And um yeah, man, the it, very soon the Saints are gonna have to address that quarterback position. And whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or some guy that they draft, uh, they're, they're going to have to figure it out. All right, um, guys, this is the big news and really what the whole show should be about, particularly because there are so many uh, supporters that we have, so many di- loyal supporters uh, from Rich Kingston and my boy Jay. Yeah, boy, right? These guys are following a team from, a, in, from another country. It's such an admirable thing, and and they will be rewarded in 2019 as the Carolina Panthers are London bound, my friend. And this is it has been announced that the Carolina Panthers will play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in London. I guess it's I believe it's called Wembley Stadium. I have to go double triple check that. But uh, look, is that the Panthers are going to lose? Was who loses the home game here? Uh, I believe it's Tampa Bay. That's what I heard. Now I'm, I'm I could be wrong. I don't have it up um, right now. I'll do a little a little intel search while uh, while we're talking about it. But um, I do believe that it is Tampa losing at home game and not us. So the Panthers. Uh, I saw that on Roar and Riot that they that they have already sold five hundred or locked up five hundred deposits for the trip. What's cool to me about that is that everybody's going no matter what, and I don't think anybody knows the date yet, do they? Because we don't know the schedule. No, the we won't know um, until the schedule comes out, which uh, I think uh, that's a, a few months away still. I These believe. people in the chat room got to stop this blasphemy. This is blasphemy. They're trying to say I'm a closet Saints fan. I was previously a Saints fan. Come on, guys. (laughs) I've been pulling for the Panthers probably longer than you were. Half of you were born anyway. But the point is that, like, I am a a sports fan at the same time. I didn't want them to win. I didn't want them to win. But, man, the mood got mugged in his helmet. It's just like this is when Cam Newton was getting mugged by the Denver Denver Broncos, they should have been flags. They just should have been. That's all. Is it? But um, all right, yeah. so they they all picking me, picking on me in the chat room because I I didn't just gloat in my man's face. I could have been like Bob, how's it feel to be miserable, Mo? <laughs> <laughs> all right, but the people that are happy, let's revert the discussion back to England. The people that are happy are the fans across the pond, as the Panthers are going to go there 
Uh, and and really, this is, I think we all knew this was coming based on the effect. There's one single fact is this, is that Zach Luttrell, the founder of the Roaring Riot, has traveled to Britain like twice in the last year. And I don't think my man went by himself to go just meet with the Royal, Roaring Riot, the Royal Riot in Britain to show his thanks for these eight fans. Now, look, is that maybe he did that and they did thank him. But damn, I mean, this is this was the clues were there that Panthers were about due for a time in London and a lot of teams and and the league has said that you know they wanted more than the Jacksonville Jaguars out there. Yeah, uh, they get a few uh, a few different teams out there, but the only one that matters is the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and you know, I know I'm I'm gonna botch this. Um, I probably should have done some research while you were talking, but you know, Charlotte is called Mecklenburg County, and that's because and the reason why it's called the Queen City is because um, the one of the uh, there was a queen from England who was set to be betrothed to Mecklenburg, some uh, uh, German royalty or whatever. So Charlotte does have somewhat of a connection over to the UK. I know I just butchered the shit out of that. I apologize to anyone who actually knows the story better. But um, yeah, man, uh, I want to shout out to my man, Rich, Rich Kingston, who I know he's going to be in our, um, in our cat calls. He talks with me on Twitter all the time. Think of it this way, man. You're a Panther fan. You're living in another time zone. They don't even play the sport on your continent. Yet you're a diehard Panthers fan. Now you have the opportunity to to see your team live. And um, that has to be a a real cool experience. I mean, even if you weren't able to go, I mean, just imagine being around uh, the bars and the atmosphere and Panthers uh, Panthers fans from all over are going to be all around the area swarming. Yeah, that's a that's a cool moment. Um, I do know one thing: they're going to have to wake up a little bit earlier because that means for us to watch, it's going to be on around like nine in the morning or something like that. It's going to be on early, so Panther fans are going to have to wake up a little bit earlier than they uh, than they're used to on a Sunday to to check out this game against Tampa and it might be important depending on what time of the year it is. One of the things that people are bringing up in the chat room is that this, um, that, that the one challenging thing about the, the trip to London is while it's such a, a great outreach in there. And so many of those fans would never get to see the team in person, uh, if they didn't get to go there but that this is a scheduling nightmare and has probably been the one thing that was, um, you know, it, that's holding the NFL from going international uh, just in an instant in so many ways is that we already have a problem with scheduling bye weeks. There's already uh, a lot of concern about how authentic the health, um, the concern for the health of the players is when you have them play yeah on short weeks, Thursday night football. We all know how bad Thursday night football has been. Or And and look, the Panthers were victim of that this year. And a lot of people suggest that uh, there is so much put on the fact that, the, that having a short week is hard, not only for preparation, 
but also uh, on the, the recovery time for these players. So right there is how does this fit in to the rest of the schedule? How do the Panthers uh, get there and not have kind of the lag effect? And either way, you put a buy after it, uh, before it, you know, either way is that there's some lag. Maybe the best thing for them to do is to play on Thursday night football the week before to have 10 days before they play again and then uh, to have the bye after the 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 trip to Europe, to England. So that way yeah, they that have would, a kind of a mini bye followed by a real bye. That would definitely be for the better, but knowing the NFL, they're probably not going to do it for us. And uh, Jedi Jor in the chat has corrected me. Uh, she was from Mecklenburg, uh, which is in Germany, and she married into the royal family. So uh, that's where Queen City comes from in Charlotte. So there you go. There's the um, the uh, the connection between the Carolina Panthers and good old great mother Britain. But um, we're trying to bring uh, Joey on. We're going to see if he has a if he has a connection. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm interested in is if uh, is FA Obada going to be on the team at that point in time? The Panthers' Twitter have been putting out videos of him talking about uh, you know playing in London, and he's been saying it gives him more motivation to be able to make the football team. So it'll be interesting to see if um, FA can uh, continue to make an impact on our roster and play in his hometown. I want to be clear. Jeremy Clancy says, "Don't uh, didn't know the buy was after, but still don't like it. We don't know either. What we're just speculating is that that's the most humane way to deal with two teams traveling is to maybe have... Uh, the problem, though, is that is that you can't have both of them play on Thursday night before. So one team potentially could get a little help, more help than another. Um Yes. You know, and I think what this what this continues to do for me, what I would like to see the Panthers do, I mean, not the Panthers, the NFL do to remedy some of these things. I'd like for them to expand the roster a little bit uh, so that guys uh, so that there wasn't so much pressure on guys to play injured all the time and that you could have a little bit more depth on a roster. Maybe you slim it to 75 you know, 53, I feel like a lot of times there are good players, healthy players that don't get a hat um, because of different things. You know, I don't know what the number is, but I think that would help. And I think uh, the other thing would be to institute the concept of a two buys to have two buys throughout the season, one in the beginning or mid, you know, the first half and one in the second half. And you just have less games on a week, one week. You know what I'm saying? Is that it's just like instead yeah. of having those days where we have ten games on at one o'clock, that week you had six, and we actually get one more week of football that way. You know, maybe push the Super Bowl back a, a week uh, if if to do it if that's necessary. But if 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 the goal is revenue making. Right. is like, can we do it in a way that doesn't lose football time, but actually adds to the value of the product in the long term? I think there are many different fixes that could be made to optimize it for players. 
I mean, listen, if you hear the players at all talk about Thursday night football, uh, or, you know, playing uh, on such short notice, the toll that it takes on their bodies is just insane. I mean, some of the worst injuries that happened to the Panthers happened on Thursday. That's when Luke got that bad concussion in 2016. Uh, it, it happens a lot, and it happens to a lot of the different players. Um, you know, uh, someone said in the chat that Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they haven't to make that flight also. So it is kind of an even playing field. Um, it's more it, for it, the game after, though. Really, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's not even that game. Because I I wasn't one that liked to say that uh, the Steelers had such an advantage over us on that four-day week. But people did say, look, you're losing a whole travel day. They're losing a half a travel day. And they get to practice in their own town. So I could see that. But for me, is this is the problem with the international games and going so far is really how do you place them in the larger scheme of the schedule? Well, but how about this, man? It it, it seems as though uh, to everyone that the NFL they're dead set on having a team in London, like they they're trying to build a a, a a fan base over there. I think, and many people think, to be able to have a team over there, which. I have no idea how you would ever do that. It's one thing to have a few uh, games during the year take place in Wembley Arena, but then uh, having a, a team in the division, having to have three or more teams every year fly over there um, at t- twice a year sometimes, like that's just insanity to me. But um, all the talks are is that NFL wants at some point to have a team in London. So I don't know how they would work through that logistical nightmare, but that's what it's point. You're going to have to add the buy. You add the buy, you might be able to get to do it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so we do have an international fan base, and we're going to hear from them on the Cat Calls line. The number's 252-228-5098. Let's jump into these Cat Calls and see what these cats got to say. So what are your thoughts on Cat Calls? <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Oh. Very I totally messed up the intro. So what we're going to have to just do is I got to drag the call over here. <laughs> I totally just laid them right over each other. I told you I had to go somewhere right before the show. It's coming to last <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a day. Tony, Tony, Joey, everyone out there in Panther Nation, what a day. Uh, Tampa Bay. Home game will be in London against the Panthers, and all the Panther Nation will try and be there. I'm so excited. I've registered interest. God knows we're going to have to start raiding the piggy bank to make sure I can go. But, uh, oh, what a fantastic day. Can't wait. Um, I'm going to start posting pictures of iconic sights across London. I've, I work in London, and I whiz around the place all the time, so... Uh, I'll take some pictures and post them on your tweet. So anyone listening that follows uh, the guys on Twitter, uh, I'll tag them in to take a look. Um, I'm, I'll be by when I'll be exactly by Wembley Stadium tomorrow, where the game might be. So uh, it's an iconic stadium. It's the home of English football. Um, it was rebuilt recently. I think it's 90,000 capacity. Uh, fingers crossed that it's there, because otherwise it will be at Tottenham Stadium, which is only 60,000 and hasn't even been built yet. Um, however, that will probably be quite nice um, once it is done. I think it has been built. I just haven't trouble with the fire extinguishing. There you go. Um, anyway, 
Okay. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, everybody, Roaring Riot, Phantom Nation, everything, FA Abadans, family, everyone's going nuts. I uh, can't wait. It'll be fascinating to see how big the support for the Panthers is in the UK, but it might well be one of the most underrated size-wise fan bases of any NFL team because I think it's huge. I don't know if it was the Super Bowl run a few years ago. Nice, man. I love that. I've been a fan since before the team even played a game. Um, I was a Redskins fan in the 80s and then the Panthers were born and I'd worked in North Carolina for North Carolina 4-H and so I picked the Panthers to be my team going forward. Um, And here we are. So, chance to see. Anyway, guys, um, yeah, right, uh, the draft, the draft, Cody and I have been going back and forth about the draft. We want Cleland Fell, yep. or we want Jonah Williams, or we want Nasser Adderley in the first round. And after that, there's a whole load, <laughs> Dalton Reisner. Um, there's loads, of, there's a load. We want O-Line in the second round, but probably one of those first three. Maybe Cody Ford, but he's a right tackle, and we've got a right tackle. But, uh, yeah, Fer- Ferrell would be great. He's our kind of defensive end. Um, but Adderley is getting a lot of hype at the moment. Remember that name, Nasser Adderley from Delaware. Uh, he's going to be at the senior bowl and he's getting yes, absolutely he hype. He's like a best case scenario, he's Earl Thomas. Worst case scenario, he's a bit like Earl Thomas. So pair him with Bradbury. <laughs> and Bradbury. All right, here, way, Earl Thomas. here is his second part of his call right here. It's coming to London. Reveal my excitement further by doing that again. Hey, man, I, I think this it, is yeah. well deserved. Uh. Um, yeah, fantastic. So O line, D line. Yeah, everyone. Uh, Jermaine Carson, Maryland teammate in the linebacking core. I think it's Trey Watson. Keep an eye out for him in the coming weeks. He, Jermaine actually replied to my tweet and said he had five picks this year or something as a linebacker. So maybe around four or five. We haven't got a seven this year. I think we've only got four or five picks. So watch out for that. That might be quite a, quite a nice late round pickup if no one gets in. Maybe round four. Um, but a bullhawk in the linebacking crew wouldn't do us any harm. Um, apart from that, Super Bowl, thank God the Saints aren't there. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy in Sean Payton. Um, even if it was. My timeline on Twitter was brilliant between everyone disgusted that it was such a horrendous call and then all the Panthers fans loving every second of it. (laughs) Yeah, what a fantastic time. Anyway, I'm sure Tom Brady's going to pick up his 19th Super Bowl ring and uh, go home to his hideous wife, Giselle, afterwards. So he's really... Uh, anyway, see, guys, it is overrated. Deliriously happy. Oh, yeah. Keep bounding. And uh, thanks for doing the uh, the show, guys. It's fantastic. And uh, everyone out there, we'll see you in London. London! London! All right, so... London calling. I want to... Um, I've already dropped the hint to my wife, like, hey, this is actually an opportunity for us to go. And to go and talk, uh, to hang with Rich, to hang with my boy Jay Cryer would be uh, an amazing thing. I I do, um, you know, you wonder about the logistics overall of it. 
um, of how it would work in the long term if they were going to bring in a team from uh, from uh, London. But, you know, they've already been making forays in the Mexico City as well. These are giant markets, man. There's 50, something like 50 million people live in Mexico City or something crazy like that. So there is so much. I mean, if you almost think about it, it would be like Netflix not going to another country at some point. At some point, it just seems like, but the logistics are difficult to to kind of figure out when we have no idea, but hopefully the people that are getting paid big bucks uh, are thinking about that. So uh, any thoughts on, on the call about the draft, thinking forward to the draft? Yeah, so um, listen, uh, the Senior Bowl is going on right now. There's an echo, Tony. You might want to check your portals. Um, the Senior Bowl is going on right now. And the receivers. Um, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to see some of the players that are going to be making up the bulk of the rosters uh, of these NFL teams coming up uh, this next season. I mean, you're talking about first-round picks that play at the Senior Bowl. And um, Rich Kingston, him and I have been talking on uh, Twitter. His draft crush is far and away Nasir Adley. He is a safety out of Delaware. And Tony, you know, we've been saying for a long time that, you know, we want to, if we sign Eric, Eric Reed, drop him down to the box, let him be a strong safety. Man, this year, Adley at the top of the field, playing that free safety position, um, he's a guy that will preview at some point. He's drawing uh, rave reviews, incredibly athletic, super fast, powerful, heavy hitter, um, and he's a punt returner. Too. So top end speed. Nasir Adley is a name to look out for. And uh and yeah, man, overall, I, like I said, I, I want to say it one more time. I'm happy for Rich to be able to see the Panthers. All the Panther fans in London, in the UK, has to be an incredible opportunity. And um, yeah, man, I'm happy for you, dude. I just know this is that um some of the most uh, and maybe it's because of the distance away from the market but some of our our the our greatest supporters in in all of the time that we've had from the show are a lot of times from outside of North Carolina they could be sometimes we've had supporters uh, like we've we have several people from England um there is uh, J-Dub right is that i mean and these guys are craving information about the team in a place where they're not getting a ton of access i think times at times people from charlotte are a little pampered and, and not pampered i mean it's fine is they just have a lot of exposure to the team even if it's local radio or whatever where that maybe they they don't find an outlet like this podcast is beneficial but, you know, it, it is nice uh, to hear those guys that I know have cheered for this team so admirably and so authentically to be rewarded. Joe Riolano, are you there, my friend? Joe, are you there? I can hear him, I feel like, but he can't hear us. Poor Joey. What a week. What a week. Yeah. What a struggle with the technology here is that he must have his volume all the way down. If you could message him, uh, that yeah, would be great. I'm going to I'm gonna mute his mic, though, because I can kind of hear right. it just a hair. All right. Um, 
So going on, let's go ahead and we're going to continue with the cat calls. I think I, I got some more lined up here. Let's see what we got next. These saints are not going to the Super Bowl. Kevin <laughs> Benjamin's not going to have a Super Bowl ring either. <laughs> that call deserves one more play. Here it goes again. <laughs> These saints are not going to the Super Bowl. Kevin Benjamin's not going to have a Super Bowl ring either. Boom! Take that. I love that. Best call. Great call. Great call. If we weren't going to give Rich the honorary call because he called from another country, that's the best call of the night right there. Is that if anything, I had a friend to ask me, he said, uh, who are you cheering for this week? And I said, I'm cheering for uh, the Rams and the Rams only to win. Uh, and, and I'm cheering maybe for the chiefs to beat the Patriots, but the Rams to beat the, the chiefs seems like, how the heck are you not cheering for the chiefs? I said, Kevin Benjamin's on the roster. I don't think he gets <laughs> yeah. this. He should not get a super bowl ring. That's my opinion. Damn, <laughs> so let me see. Is that, uh, I'm going to unmute Joe, Joe Riolano. Are you in the house or not in the house? Joe's not in the house. He's not even responding to my IMs. Okay. All right. He doesn't even know we brought him in. That's the thing. Is yeah. He probably joined. He probably walked away. All right. So uh, going on with this, let's. Uh, we've got one last cat call. I believe this is, let me see. It's in here somewhere. Let me see. I think I, I got Carl D lined up here. He's got Carl D. Things, to, things to say. Hi, what's up, C three? This is your, this is your buddy, your homie. This is Carl D. What up, yeah. Carl D? This call is going to be a quick call. I I will be calling back later on. So sometime in the podcast, you will get my draft board call. But this call is right here. Tony, Cody, and Joyce. Are you, if you're still there? Or what I just heard, are you, I just heard Rivera, Ron Rivera is hiring somebody to come in and help him with his time management. Tony, if this is true, (laughs) are you freaking kidding me? In the words of, um, A guy named me is really, really, <laughs> really now, really. Uh, all right, you get wow. You mean to tell me this is the coach that that come back? This is the same coach we supposed to be so excited about coming back to coach us. For at least one more season, has to hire, waste Panthers money to hire somebody to teach him how to manage time manage a game. Wow, the dude! How long has he been our coach? Nine years, years, and he still haven't learned how to. Well, Andy Reid doesn't know how to do it either. Time manage a game. Wow. 
Wow. And all you Rivera apologists, as I said, be careful what you wish for. You wanted him back, you got him back, and this is what you get. A sorry game manager guy has to waste our team money. It's not wasting any money. We got a billionaire owner. Time manage the game. Wow. Cody. I, you you on the same boat with me? It's Rivera should be gone. Gone. What do you think about this? To me, this is ridiculous, and this just shows why I say get rid of his butt should be gone out of here. All right. So there's Carl All D. Right. There, he's Good. upset still with was, us keeping Ron Rivera. Uh, the idea, though, is referring to his look is that, and I think uh, Ben Bowman is really onto it here. As he says, I think, and this is in the YouTube chat, I think he was forced to do so by Tepper. It's also a trend yeah. around the league. Now, I will say is that if you think it's bad to have a clock management coach, the LA Rams have a move Sean Payton coach. And there is a coach that follows Sean Payton around because he likes to be so on the tiptoe of the line that when the, you know, do you remember when Chris Sims got blasted by the ref who was just, he was just like standing on the sidelines, not paying attention to what has happened and the ref like pushed him out of the way. They have, Sean McVay has a guy who follows him around and anytime the ref is coming, he grabs Sean McVay by the waist and pulls him back. And it's over and over. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. So, but here is, I think Ben Bowman's right on this, is that, look, this is a weakness that it has not been one of Ron Rivera's strengths. So I don't think doing it is a bad thing. But again, it does show like, hey, um, I've always found this bizarre, is with Ron Rivera being a defensive coach, where seconds are like dollars to you and you got to be cautious and careful how you spend them and uh, where they go. I just assumed that defensive minded coaches would have a better handle on the clock, but maybe it's offensive guys because they're trying to squeeze as much time out as possible. Yeah, but not necessarily. I mean, look at Andy Reid. Andy Reid is an offensive minded coach and he's notorious for being bad at clock management. So, and by the way, it's also not coincidental that Ron Rivera comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't hear the story uh, that Carl is referring to about the guy being hired, but I mean, I, I do think that, um, yeah, it's a little bit ridiculous. And I do think that this is a David Tepper move. Uh, I remember in that David Tepper interview, uh, he was saying that clock management and the pace of which the team uh, moves is something that he wanted to be addressed. And listen, man, what Papa says is what is is what Papa goes. You know, that man is the owner of the franchise now, uh, and and what he says that's that's what happens. So um, it's, it's not something I'm surprised about. And listen, if you're gonna have Ron Rivera. I damn sure want someone to be on the team to hold him accountable and make him better uh, at managing the clock and using timeouts 
because it's obvious that Ron Rivera is not getting better at this on his own accord. I mean, nah, he's getting worse. Head. Honestly, it yeah, feels like he's getting worse. So if I, I mean, listen, if you're going to have Ron Rivera as a head coach for another year, then I certainly don't mind someone, um, you know, helping him out to be better in this area that has been a problem for him his entire time here. Where the hell is Norvat? Like, I mean, what the heck? It's like you think you have all of these people that have been around football all the time. They know that we better be ready to call a timeout. Um, but is so this is a strange. We got a couple more. The cat calls line, the number's 252-228-5098. Let's see what you guys got to queue up about the C three Panthers podcast. Hey Tony. Good games this weekend. Uh, I got you something though. God, look at that. They're calling uh, up harassing me. They're calling they're me talking up. They're shit on my man. Harassing me. <laughs> Is that this? Is that That's fine. That's fine. Y'all think that? Uh, Y'all want to question a man who is sacrificed every <laughs> Tuesday night at the ire of his family and his wife for the Carolina Panthers? You want to talk about a man who keeps doing this, even though y'all jokers who are watching the damn show right now. And right now there are, let me tell you this. That's, thir- that's pretty funny though, man. 36 of y'all jokers watching the show. And we only got 17 likes. And you talking about me? Shoot. Shoot, 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 shoot. They're, they're, they're shooting shots at you, Tony. I want to remind everybody this. is This is the same brother right here who, when it came to the Pats, Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl, it was also the election year where people were still pissed about uh, the year, the, you know, right after the election, people were still pissed that Donald Trump got uh, voted for president and there was that trending hashtag, not my president. And yeah. I went to the bar and I had to go to the bar to watch the Super Bowl and I wore a sign, a placard around my body that said, not my hashtag, not my Super Bowl. And, uh, <laughs> and I put the both of these teams are cheetahs. They're cheaters because they are because the Falcons have pumped crowd noise into the place. The we know the long history of cheating when it comes to the Patriots. And anytime the game came on, Cody, I turned my back to the televisions. The only time I would submit myself to direct contact with the TV is when a commercial was on. That's what the this guy's about. The yeah. whole game? That's what this guy right here is about, guys. So fine. Sorry. So sorry. Nah, is look, is that I mean, I get it. Actually, I think it's the fun thing for fans to do is to really go after them and just stab it in, rub a little salt in the wound. I would expect it from a lot of fans to do it to us if it happened to us. I don't know how classy and authentic. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. That's it. Is that I want the Saints to, I wanted them to lose like 40 to nothing. 
And I really feel like this is I don't know if they really lost. What what I felt like is I watched the Rams and they never were ahead in that game. And they didn't. And even though they they did some respectable things to stay in it, I don't think they just look head and shoulders like a better team at all. So I mean, well, I mean, I mean, listen, man, I I, I maintain what what I said to you, what I said to Bob Rose. You know, I, yes, was that a pass interference? Absolutely. What 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 idiot doesn't see that and and, and think that it is? But what I will say though is that the Saints, especially at the end of the game, they did themselves no favors. That's why I'm not into the crying or the whining. And, oh my God, look what happened! The Saints did themselves absolutely no favors. Uh, I'm not on board the train of oh man, the referees gave that to them. Yeah, was it a bad call? Yes. But how many Sundays in a row do we ever go of not having a bad call in a football game? Sure. Sure. And yeah, it was in the, it was in the NFC Championship game, but listen, man, and the last I, I, play, like the arguably yeah, and, last play. But listen, I'll say this, man, in the damn Super Bowl, Jericho caught, <laughs> caught this motherfucking ball, man. Pardon me. That's why they call him Jericho Catchery. He's he's Jericho Catchery, and that's the real New Orleans season. And I, there's a Tony Catcheries. Or catch a ch- if y'all from New Orleans, y'all tell me how y'all say it. Everybody I've ever heard say Tony Cacheries or whatever it is. It's a good uh, Louisiana type oh, rub. Oh, 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 t- t- Tony Cacheries. Cacheries. I've heard a bazillion. Yeah, I've heard a bazillion different ways of pronouncing it. But you know what we yeah. call that? This is the better rub right here. It's the Jericho Cachery. <laughs> this is the Jericho say. <laughs> Yeah. There we go. But uh no is uh all right, and let's see what else. We got another cat call on the line. I get it. Is that but I, and and in my fa and, and what I I will point out this, I guess I'm defending my fandom here. I always hate when you gotta defend your fandom like people are like you fake fan. You a fake fan. I'll be like, gosh, that's just all right, anyway. <laughs> the one thing I would say is this is that I am tired like Josh from Mass said of people talking junk about uh, any time that we they talk junk about the Panthers not winning the Super Bowl, about Cam Newton not jumping on that ball. Yeah, but you know always- what I'm saying? And so, like, it's, that, it's annoying to me when uh, the things that don't ma- uh, that are the not the most important uh, are, are just elevated in importance, except for times like when he's getting blasted in the head or that catch. And you just want them to win on the field and lose on the field. That's it. And I think that that's what Bob Rose's point was, is that the corruption is in the fact that the, that, um, that things that they have such a large influence of the game at times. And, and sometimes it's just so flawed. Um, but enough of that. We got one more call. The number's 252-228-5098. Hey guys, this is uh, Jedi. I just wanted to call in before the end of the show. Um, yeah, being from Charlotte and being somewhat of a history buff, I kind of know a little bit about Queen Charlotte. And, yeah, uh, drop some knowledge on this, man. Mecklenburg, which is part of northern Germany. Uh, one of the other kind of cool trivia things about her is she was one of the first uh, mixed queens. Uh, I know a lot, a lot of um, attention was given to uh, Meghan Markle this year, or this past year, for her being um, mulatto and, and being entered into the royal family but uh queen charlotte was one of the first um nice and uh i am excited about the uh 
London game. It should be interesting. Uh, I guess the question out there for you guys is, uh, what's your Premier League team? I've always kind of ran with Liverpool just because they're fun to play with in FIFA. All right. Uh, sports trivia here for you. What is the number one game selling game in the EA franchise? In history. the EA franchise? In history. Um, I think in America it's Madden, but worldwide it probably has to be FIFA. It huh? is it is FIFA by like a mile. Um so I don't know enough about and I'm gonna I'm gonna make these cats across the pond, they're gonna be turning off the podcast. I don't really watch <laughs> I don't really watch soccer. And uh and that's right, I call it soccer because I'm American. Um, I call a pig that has been slow cooked over over charcoals and smothered in vinegar barbecue as well. It's a noun. As it should be. Right? Uh, as it should be. Exactly. Um, but if it comes, I don't know if they're in the Premier League because uh, I think they were go, like almost got booted out for being bad for a couple of years. But for me, this is the easy answer of Swansea. Right there. Sw- just on the name alone, Swansea is my team. I believe they're from Wales. And I think so, Jay Cryer gets pissed at me when I say I like Swansea. Dude, uh, so I remember during two thousand uh, during the 2015 season, there was some club that had it went on some historic run, and they were even uh, showing love to the official Panthers Twitter, and our Twitter shouted them out. I'm sure I'm going to butcher this also. Uh, Lancaster or Leicester? I, I don't know. I'm it's not La- Lancaster. No, that's not. Okay. It's L I E Caster, I believe. But they uh, they were supporting the Panthers really hard. So I don't know, man. I just say to them. Listen, if I'm being honest, I don't give a damn about uh, a sport that doesn't have a lot of violence in it. My favorite sports are MMA and football. Dude. Hey, did that's- Greg Hardy win his fight the other night? No man got disqualified. Disqualified? Yeah, How do you get disqualified it, in MMA? I didn't even oh, think they ton, had rules. Ton, oh, of course they do. There's a ton of ways. Um, he threw a knee to the head of a downed opponent. So the opponent, his knee was on the ground. He wasn't standing up, and you're not allowed to knee them in the head in that position. Mm. So, yeah, Greg Hardy's uh, career isn't isn't going too well. Yeah, Ken Dye has it. Uh, Leicester. 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 Whoever the hell they are, man. We'll have to have Rich or Jay Cryer to call in and pronounce it for us. Um, For me, hey, have I ever told you how um, I believe that I can fix soccer? (laughs) No, you haven't, but I'm super interested. All right, so here's the thing, is that the, the end problem with soccer and especially for for people i think ken said this running around for hours and score a goal at some point the end problem for soccer or football is um is that there's not enough scoring right that's the ultimate problem now you know hockey went through this problem in the 90s when the goalie pads got so giant that goalies could literally almost take up the entire net. And if they wore baggy jerseys, there was like zero places to put the puck in. So what they yeah. what they did then is they, because they didn't want to change the size of the goal because of the history of it, they shrank the pads. 
Now, here's the problem, though, is that you really, the similar problem here is that you cannot change the size of the goal in soccer. In fact, some of the reasons it's so absurd to me watching the sport is how do they have so much problem scoring when the goal is the size of a school bus? So you can't make the goal bigger. So here is the solution. Jockey goalies. On a horse? No. No. Just the little people who ride the horse. Put a height limit for the goalie. Dude, really? I, I like my idea better, man. Put put a giant goal on the field and make, a, make them ride a horse and have to ride back and forth <laughs> to defend the damn thing. No, do you know when you go on a roller coaster and it says you have to be this tall? Yeah, there's a height limit. Yeah, except for so this what, one so says you cannot limit? play goalie if you are taller than this height. So what, they got to be like five foot four? Yeah, four foot eight. Like the jockeys four are like, eight. these jockeys are little people, dude. They are tiny, tiny people. Uh, other things that could be done is I think a two point and a three point like circles. If you hit the shot from this spot on the field, they're worth more points and you make it. I like that one. And kind of like, uh, what was that basketball game they used to play that was like on the trampoline or whatever and the ball would light up at certain times and then it was like worth like five points if they made it. You could have a power ball like that. I do believe that jockey goalies could be the answer to the scoring problems. Shrinking the pads was the answer in hockey. Shrinking the goalies is the answer in soccer. All right, let's turn to the chat room. Chat room, what would you rather see? Soccer with miniature goalkeepers or a giant goal and a man riding a horse defending the net? I know where my vote is. I said put horses on the field because why not, you know? You're, you're mixing sports now. Water, uh, polo and, uh, and soccer going together. All right, uh, let's yeah. get back into the show. Is that we fixed the? Uh, you know what the my my cousin makes fun. My cousin makes fun of me of this. He goes, "You're trying to fix the most popular sport in the world." Yeah, <laughs> and he always yeah. says, "Hashtag fix World Cup." <laughs> all right, um, all right. So let's go Ignorant ahead. Americans. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, let's go ahead and put up. Uh, talk about some rumors coming about the defense here. Um, yes, Joe Person from the Athletic reported this, uh, but then we got the report secondhand because I have yet to pay for anything on the internet. Really, I do pay. Right. Actually, I already pay for the Charlotte Observer and the sports page. I bought a package where you get Raleigh and the Charlotte Observer unlimited. And it was like 30 bucks a year. I did that a long time ago. And I would say I wait, I didn't waste 30 bucks. I probably could have just watched, read the things on different computers, my phone, my desktop, and gotten away with it. But, hey, you want to support an institution. I have been thinking about subscribing to The Athletic. And Joe Person puts this out. Go ahead and put it up, Cody. <laughs> Ken Dice says a midget riding yeah. a Shetland pony. Yeah. Oh god. The, the, comment, the comments are off the rails, but I'm <laughs> I'm here for it. I love it. All, All right. right. So it is being reported that the Panthers are considering a shift to a 3-4 defense. Now I find this really interesting. Cause some of the more dominant defenses in the past, you know, few years, um, the Broncos. 
uh, come to mind instantly. Um, you know, a, a few other really good teams out there. Even the Rams now. The Steelers have always – we've year. actually always struggled against 3-4 defenses. That's why you like it. We have. We have. And but my only concern is that I don't want us to do this for the wrong reasons. Um, I, I do think that a 4-3 defense can be dominant, but it's all about the players that you have. You have to have do- dominant players at the right position. But, I mean, this is interesting, though, because you're talking about if this happens, it changes the kind of players that you're looking at in free agency and in the drafts. So, for example, Josh Allen, he's an outside linebacker. He might be the second best edge rusher behind Bosa in the draft. And now, all of a sudden, if, if we're a 3-4 defense, that's someone who's in play for us. A dominant edge rusher who's fast, um, makes plays all the time. Um, it's I, I don't know. How, how do you feel about this kind of move? Um, all right. So I think that, uh, Josh Klein from Ron Riot put up a great tweet is there's a difference between shifting, uh, completely to a three, four philosophy, um, and, and to, and there's a difference between that and being able to give uh, a three, four look at times, uh, in, in a league that is, is getting faster, um, and, and with a lot of wide receivers, I think somebody else, I think it was Panther CSP. Uh, I believe he writes for Cat Scratch Reader, and he is from Canada. He put this up, and it's like his 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 hash his name is like Fun Dave or something like that on Twitter right now. People change their name so much it's hard to keep up with them at times. But he said something that I thought was also interesting is that like, hey, uh, the the idea of a pure three four defense might not be uh, the most accurate. Is that it could be a three two five or a three uh three yeah three three five yeah or uh so three three five or a what three four two five yeah whatever those right and so that it's is really i think that these are easier things for us to interpret from back in the day because you hear three four you know four three like it's easy to understand because then you don't have to start counting the defensive backs as well um, I, right. I do want to say is that um, Ron Rivera did has had some success with the 3-4 defense, and that was when he was in um, San Diego, I believe. And that is that uh, when he took over as defensive coordinator, I believe it was in San Diego that he was used to and custom to a 4-3 with the Bears. Um, but then when he was, you know, had to go to, to San Diego at the time that he had to coach a, a three, four and that he did it successfully there. I don't know how is if for me, it's really hard to answer because I don't know how, um, well, or how deep this goes philosophically for the players on the team, as well as the coaches, is this something as easy as just fix fitting the personnel in and all of a sudden you can teach it right? Or, you know, is this, is Ron Rivera even uh, rusty on it? So those are concerns for me there right away. But at the same time, we have not, we don't right now, I think have great personnel for a four, three either. 
No, and listen, and I want to make this clear. Now, if this is going to happen, this isn't something that they have to lollygag on. This needs to be a decision that needs to be made, and it needs to be made fast. Because that's going to determine the types of players that we're going after in free agency, and that determines the types of players that we target in the draft. And you have to understand that you're going to need a full cycle of injecting your team with the type of players that fit that kind of defense. So, uh, you know, now uh, if if we're looking at, you know, the 16th pick in the draft, if we're dead set on on an edge rusher, well, all of a sudden, Cleveland Farrell from Mike Clemson Tigers, who's a hand in the dirt 4-3 defensive end, that might not be the best fit. Even though my man can play standing up, um, you have to make sure that you have players that fit what you do. And, and, and it opens up doors for certain players and closes the doors on other ones. And um, Ben Bowman, um, was it Ben? No, J.I. Jor says that Poe fits better in a 3-4. And that is true. Don Tari Poe was originally a zero tech. That means you're, dude, you're just uh, a sack full of garbage, man. You're just immovable. Okay, uh, that that means you don't let anyone buy. Is that you're what just... he did in Kansas? <laughs> yes, that's what he was in in Kansas. And then when he went to the Falcons, they made him lose a bunch of weight in order to be able to play at one tech. So, yeah, as of right now, um, we have maybe one player that truly fits that mold. That's what I'm saying. It, you have to have uh, a, make a concerted effort to have the people on the field to be able to do this. And you need another inside linebacker next to Luke. So, you know, that, that uh, a lot goes into this. If we're able to do it, I'm not opposed. Because I do think, you know, having a five-on-five, three linemen and two linebackers on top of five offensive linemen, that's a hat on a hat. So, and that's why a lot of teams do it um, at the line of scrimmage. And you add in Luke the best sideline, the sideline linebacker in the NFL. It's not a bad move. You just have to have the right players. Could you run it with just Shaq and Luke? I don't see why you you couldn't. Wouldn't they be? I seem like they would fit good because Shaq is almost uh, a little bit, um, you know, I would say weaker in pass coverage. And you might maybe give Luke Luke Keekly some of those responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it also makes Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU, uh, a much more enticing pick uh, in the first round, considering he would fall to us, because uh, that's another dominant inside linebacker, and now you would have two of those um, at that position. Um, yeah, I don't think that Shaq would be uh, bad in that spot, but he would have to – there are more responsibilities now because he has to hold down a whole side of the field, you know? Um, it's, it's different. Uh from having a Will linebacker and a Sam linebacker to now those outside linebackers, their main role is to rush the passer. I mean, that's what they do now. You know, your Vaughn Millers of the world. That's what that is. So um, cannot be half-hearted. Yeah, I think that's a good point is that, I mean, you can't just say, well, we're going to see which one works better from week to week and time to time. Uh, because the personnel requirements are so much different. Uh, I also would point out this is that here's an article that's uh, it's a, talking about when we were hiring Ron Rivera as head coach in 20, I guess this would be 2011. 
And Rivera's first full season running San Diego's 3-4 defense in 2009. The Chargers finished 16th in the league in total defense and 11th against the pass. The Chargers were the first were first in the NFL this season in total defense. So this would have been the following year. So 2010, so he took over midway in 2008 and was promoted uh to um from inside from linebackers coach to replace Ted Cottrell midway through the season. He then, in his next year, the first full season, 2010, or 2009, was then uh, made this a 16th overall defense, uh, defense, 11th against the pass. And then in 2010, his first full season as defensive coordinator, they were top in the league um, and uh, it looks like total defense and 10th and points allowed. He, so that, I think that was one of the things that people were impressed about with Ron was the, the flexibility of that moment. I guess my final point right. on it is this, is that, look, he says we, we haven't been built historically for that. So I do believe that you're right, is that like this can't be half-hearted. And, I mean, it's a difference between saying we'll try it on a couple of plays when we think it can help us to have some more defensive backs out there or something like that. That's not a yeah. shift. That's just like, hey, this that's a situational thing. But if you're trying to play half and half, that's going to be tough with personnel making it work. It's going to be a lot to learn right. and prepare for. And then is that also if you are fully making this shift entirely to a 3-4 you can't think it's not going to ha- come without some growing pains. That oh, would absolutely. be hard for me is to believe that it would just come smoothly. You're talking about a team that hasn't brought in a different defensive coordinator, you know? So like you're talking about now, Eric Washington and Ron Rivera, just better at calling this system than the other system. So some growing pains there. And Cody, my last point in that, and I'll turn the mic over to you is, while I've while I've seen teams be very successful uh, in running a three four defense, I've also felt like I've seen teams in the past try to make the change to running a three four, and it not go well. And the team that I yeah. keep thinking about is like the Jets, and the Jets used to. This is when they drafted that cat out of North Carolina, who a lot of what was his name. Um, in fact, a lot of Panthers wanted him to be a free agent. He ended up going to uh, San Diego, not San Diego, going to Los Angeles. What was that guy's name? From Carolina, uh, started with a C, I think, his last name. But he was a kind of, you know, long athletic dude that they asked to do so much. And it just like, I feel like it, at the same time, it, it you have to bet a lot on nailing a defensive end that is just supremely athletic. Yeah, and remember, Mario Addison started his career as an outside linebacker, as a three or four outside linebacker. So, uh, and hell, even think of it this way. So one of the things you have to understand is how positions translate from one to another. So what k Short is in our system is a three-technique defensive tackle. In a 3-4 in a defense, that would make him a defensive end. So maybe, you know, now it's also a way for us to put Vernon Butler on the field, if they're so adamant about playing him as a three-tech, now he's the defensive end on the other side of Don Taripo if Don Taripo comes back 
for another year, which is under contract. So I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. Um, yeah, you have to make a concerted effort to do this. Um, and in my opinion, um, it's, it's you know, the, the Cardinals. No, who, what was the team? Buffalo. Buffalo forever ran a, a three or four defense. And they had all these defensive coordinators that came in. That was when Rex started. came in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They tried to make it work with a bunch of different people, and it just never does. And, you, and so this is why, for my money, it doesn't matter if we're running a 4-3 or a 3-4. As you said right now, we don't even have the best personnel for what we what we run right now. You know, there, there has to be the right players on the football team. I'm not in love with one over the other because I think that both of them are, are, are dominant. I mean, you know, take your pick. Do you want to look like the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, which was an incredible defense? And even us, the Panthers, in in 2013, our defense was incredible. Or do you want to look like the 2015 Denver Broncos? You know, which is also a, a nasty either. defense. I'll take either. Yeah, it, it doesn't really. Or do you matter, want to look you know? like the 2010 Buffalo Bills? Yeah, no <laughs> one wants to look like that. I promise you. But um, we do have some players. Like I said, the last thing I'll say is if we're gonna do it. We have to make the decision soon because you want an entire free agency period and an entire draft where you're focusing on players that fit those specific needs on your defensive line. You have to do Do you think it would help the linebackers? Um, Would it it give... Who are you talking about? The one thing that I do think that has been problematic with... um, the defense that we've run is that we've had uh is that we've always had to just put two linebackers out there anyway. Like we've never been great when we had three linebackers. So if you're running a system though, that is more tailored to having, I mean, I know it sounds like you have more linebackers, but they're not really linebackers. There are defensive ends who stand up. Right. So to me, yeah, is that, is, does this really help? Yeah. Does this help Luke Keekley? his game or does it ask him to do more um i don't know i don't myself i could i I can't answer it i don't think it asks him to do more because i mean really it depends on like i said it depends on the player um von miller he might weigh less than your opposing right tackle but he's never been a liability in run defense you know or, or or being um being able to hold up against the run and uh, you know that it's there's a trade-off though, because in a four-three, uh, you might have one extra offensive lineman to be able to help you block. But if you're having an outside linebacker defend against the run, they weigh a lot less. So teams sometimes will run right at them. But that's where your linebackers are so important. And if Luke is on the field, and and, and even Shaq Thompson, I, I do feel as though we would be able to. Um, transition two or three, four. Um, I think relatively easy. I, I think, think Shaq would look good in it. I think Shaq yeah. would look good in it. To be honest, it might it might benefit him even more to do that than than what he's been doing um, playing the the well linebacker. All right, so let's move on. Uh, you listen to the C three Panthers podcast. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Follow us on social media. You know, Facebook, Twitter, all those different <clears> places. Um, 
Well, let's talk about this. It's something we mentioned in passing, and not in, even in passing. It was a, a topic on the show that you called out last week, and that is about uh, the reporting from David Newton um, and how Bill Voth had called him irresponsible for reporting that Cam, that the owner, I think the headline read something to the effect of that the owner is not ruling out um, is is not ruling out that Cam Newton could sit out the whole season. So you tell me, Cody, is that uh, were you surprised? I was a little surprised how much this took off the story nationally following this report and how it seemed like uh, the damage control that was tried to be doing, done by local reporters was not enough to to temper the voices, to drown out the voices that this is what could potentially be the deal. So where are you at a week late, a week removed from this? Um, pretty much right where I was. Um, I, I don't think that anyone in the organization, including David Tepper himself, ever even um, insinuated that Cam Newton could uh, sit out the rest of the year. Uh, I think that it was something. And it shows you how lazy journalism is. Because, of course, then you have people like Colin Cowherd uh, just jumping on Cam Newton and all these other people coming out and talking about, oh, well, this is what happens when you're running the quarterback. And even Stephen A. Smith was talking, oh, well, you know, he was able to run the ball early and then he got hurt. And then that's, you know, when they couldn't run Cam Newton because they had to protect his shoulder. That's when everything went downhill. Dude, Cam Newton was dropping dimes from the pocket early this season when we were six and two. Okay, so it's not a matter of, of Cam Newton doing anything. He just got hurt. And we still don't know what that injury is or was. Um, but at, as of right now, until a medical professional or Cam Newton comes out and says that there's a problem with the shoulder that has the potential to, you know, limit him for the season to the point where you would have to sit him, there is literally no reason to think that Cam Newton wouldn't be playing quarterback next year for the Panthers as our number one. I mean, there's it's lazy journalism, and David Newton is a scourge, man. I cannot stand him. You know, the only thing is that is look, is I tried to calm everybody and say this is a headline that is is written in a way that was meant uh, to to get people talking and to get people clicking. Um, but the only thing that actually that I've been worried about and concerned is that there hasn't been like a forceful rebuttal from the Panthers. And what I right. mean what I mean by that is yeah, you you send Bill Voth out there that's critical of them. A lot of the reporters, it was almost like uh as that they were self-regulating themselves, you know, as um the reporters trying to get on David Newton. But you know, no apology from David Newton. No, I haven't heard anything Never. that says like, hey, uh, maybe that wasn't. The, I think they may have changed the headline. But I just, the I guess maybe, and this is just how fragile I am on the subject, that it slightly concerns me that they didn't just come out and be like, this is the worst thing, the worst job done by this David Newton guy, and we're not even letting him in the, you know, I don't know. And, and, and it's just a shroud of mystery. So the Cam Newton saga continues. Uh, as usual, the Panthers' season lives and dies and hinges on number one. Cam Newton will be following that uh, closely. 
let's do this is that Cody, uh, your draft guy. We, we know the draft is going to be coming up, uh, but before the draft gets here and while we're all looking at the combine and things is that we're also going to be, uh, is there's important step in the off season, um, that, that like Dave Gettleman used to say, you use free agency to set up your draft. Free agency is a critical component. Uh, especially if there were some changes in the background on the defensive side of the ball and you were to move to a 3-4, but it's going to be a critical component of the Panthers' offseason. So this week, what we're going to begin is the process of previewing a potential free agent pick that the Panthers could make in addition to this team that could hopefully add uh, to the rebuilding or the retooling, getting the Panthers back on track uh, this week, Cody, I think you wanted to start with the defense. Yeah, so this is we made this before the news that you know the rumor that we might be going to a three or four, but I still think that even if we did go to a three or four, this player would be a very good pickup for us. But with this in mind, uh, this is uh, with the mindset that we are still going to be running the same four three defense in 2019, and today we premiere our segment a better know a Panthers free agent pick. Today, our first pick that we are going to be previewing on the show is New England Patriots defensive end, Trey Flowers. And let me tell you what, Trey Flowers absolutely does it all. He is a dominant defensive lineman on the edge, and he has great pass rushing moves. He has a dominant stiff arm that he's able to use to disengage from the tackle, make some separation, and get inside. Um, trust me, Matt Ryan, as you're seeing here, remembers Trey Flowers well. Trey, uh, Trey does a lot of things well. Uh, he is around 270 pounds, six foot four. This inside swim move that Trey Flowers has is absolutely nasty, and he uses it time and time again to be able to wreak havoc from the interior and the exterior of the defensive line. I mean, he has great awareness. He knows when the ball is coming his way. He gets his hands up in the way of the pass and, and his patient. He knows how to set up his moves and, and put himself in the right position to be able to affect the quarterback at all times. Um, Trey Flowers uh, might receive a contract from the Patriots, and he might not. But for my money, this dominant defensive end, I mean, he would be absolutely perfect on the Panthers' defense. Trey Flowers is powerful, strong, um, and, and that bull rush that he displays, I mean, it's dominant, man. Trey Flowers is a dominant player, and if you put him on the offensive line, even with Mario Addison, even with K1 Short, he might be our most dominant player. Because we haven't had a true edge rusher to be able to uh, to win his assignments on the regular since Greg Hardy in 2013, in my opinion. Um, Flow Trey Flowers is a dominant player and would upgrade our defensive line uh, a, a ton. We'd be way better than we are right now. So uh, what I like about this idea, first is a little background on uh, Trey Flowers is that Trey is a, um, he's a f former fourth round pick, 6'4". Yeah. Uh, he was selected in 2015. He's 25 years old. He'll be 26 in August. 
I think this is yeah. kind of a sweet spot for defensive ends because what what a big what a smash and grab this is in the draft to land this guy in the fourth round and yeah. and to have some really I mean if you're going back and looking at that Atlanta Super Bowl that's two Super Bowls ago you're talking about a guy who's who balled out in that Super Bowl and also has just been a beast playing for the big contract in the postseason this year uh, so I, this, yeah. those are things that I like. There is that is this guy. This is a guy who seems to be kind of a versatile defensive end. Isn't just primarily and only based on a speed or an ex outside speed rush. Um, I like that. I like the idea too that he's kind of in the sweet spot where he is what kind of you know settled into the NFL. I think it's a tough position. I've said it over and over when it comes to the defensive end. It's hard. Uh, to make that jump, but kudos to the Patriots. And I don't want to say that, but like, this is what we need, man. We need to land Absolutely. somebody in the fourth round, very similar to Charles Johnson back in 2006 or whatever, who a couple of years down the road, you might as well assume that they were a first or second round pick because of how well they've been playing. So last, uh, last question here. Anyway, uh, that this is feasible financially. Well, you know, so we haven't um, been through our list of players that we have to either sign or cut and let go. Uh, there's a, a few players that are on the books that we might clear out uh, to be able to sign a player like this. But listen, I imagine that you don't want to go into the draft needing, uh, you know, so many different players. You know, David Gettleman, another Gettlemanism that I love to bring up is that you don't want to shop hungry. Yep. And, and if you and if you go into, into the into the draft saying, Man, I need two defensive ends, one to put where Julius Peppers was, and another uh for next year, two thousand twenty, if we use Mario Addison, you want to be able to fill some of those needs so that way you're in the position to be able to take the best player available. If you put Trey Flowers on the defensive line, I mean, listen, that that's an instant upgrade of what we do. It puts us in a position to be able to grab a um, a Devin White out of LSU, a Nasir Adwood out of Delaware. Uh, even you know, well, a, even a, a better tackle. question is this: is what do you do if you don't add a guy in free agency who's a legit guy? Yeah. What do you like? Is your defensive line again just going to be like this foundering thing? That floundering thing. I mean, is that like Addison ain't getting better and all younger, and now Julius no. Peppers on the other side is piecing out probably. Or I mean, you can't count on that. So like you, this is going to take some radical stuff on the, and it's got to be on the defensive side. That it needs to be all linemen. There needs to be one on each side in free agency and one on each side in the draft. It really does, man. I mean, football is won and lost in the trenches. And something that is kind of worrisome, if you look at Philadelphia and, and Los Angeles, the Rams, what they've done the past two years is they have gone and given every dominant player that they can money to come and compete for a Super Bowl right now. And the fact of the matter is the Panthers just don't have that kind of cap. I mean, it's, we're not in the position to be able to go sign an Adamican Sue and a, and an Akib Tlaib and uh, Marcus Peters and um, all, all these different players and they're grabbing from everywhere 
to say we're going to win this year. The Panthers just don't have that kind of cap. So if you're going to spend money on one player, you have to make sure that it is the player that makes you 100% better right now. That he's right young, now, that he's young and healthy. 25. Young 25 and healthy. You cannot in go the old of his career. or potentially with a hidden injury. And if we can sign so, Matt Khalil, we can sign this guy. I don't know. Joey's absolutely. asking what kind of money do you think he's going to make is – I don't know uh, what are, what are DNs making these days? Like upwards of um, I, what thirteen I million think, a year? I don't. So also keep in mind um, two other people that are free agents that might either up or lower the contract that uh, Trey ends Clowning. up grabbing. Uh, Jadavion Clowney and Demarcus Lawrence, who I'm positive at some point we will uh, we will be previewing as well, um, but. I, if I'm if I'm guessing right now, I'm thinking probably somewhere between ten and thirteen million dollars a year. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna years. be higher probably. Uh, Z, Ezekiel Ansa, I guess he well, was maybe. franchise tag maybe this year. I'm not hundred yeah, percent. He got seventeen million this year a year. You're looking at Chandler Jones is averaging about sixteen and a half a million a year. Melvin Ingram sixteen, JPP fifteen. So you're up there in the 15, 16, 17 numbers probably. Well, but the, the the thing that does help us though is that his numbers. So a lot of time uh, a lot of times the players numbers they're not exactly indicative of how dominant he was on the field. But sometimes that'll help you out when you have to pay the player. So as of uh this season he had 7.5 sacks on the year, but he has been a nightmare in run defense. And I also think that if you put him on this defense uh, and, you know, K-1 Short has to have a matchup of his own and, you know, maybe if we draft another player, you're putting Trey Flowers in a position to be on one-on-one matchups. And that's going to benefit him a lot. So um, I don't know. It, it, it could end up going higher, but I don't think that, he's has, that he has the numbers to command that, you know, 18 20 million dollar you know von miller county yeah not not von miller money i'm not i'm not thinking that that's what what he's uh gonna be able to get out there well that might so it could be a reasonable reasonable grab maybe unreasonable it never seems like we have any money we only got eight minutes left on the show i actually have timed it so it has to close at 11 uh last thing here piggybacking on some of the comments as Tory Smith comes out. Tory Smith, really opinionated guy, um, and comes out and, uh, I like Tory Smith is that, uh, I don't necessarily think that he's added, adds a ton to our team necessarily at this moment, but, uh, I like him as a person. I think he seems to be a pretty genuine and cool dude. He comes out and puts up this tweet, Cody, that is discussing, and I think this is, uh, you know, just pointing out some of the social taboos and problems of of the way we view things. And he says, look, and I guess it was unpopular opinion today. Uh, another opinion that shouldn't be unpopular is I'm more afraid of folks that drink alcohol than I am of folks who smoke marijuana. FYI, I don't smoke or drink. Hey, I think this is, I mean, hey, you don't ever hear uh, about people getting stoned and uh, 
blowing things up and stuff. But the real Never. the real tweet though comes from Pat Coltrane. You can listen to his show on YouTube. He does train stop. And he says this linebacker Tory Smith says he likes to smoke weed smoke the weed. Quote David Newton. <laughs> and you did- know what? That's not even out of the realm of possibilities of some shit that David Newton would do. You know how the only reason we knew David Newton didn't do it, Cody? He spelled Tory Smith right. Ah, touche. Yeah. Touche. David Newton would have never spelled that name. No, right. it would have been it would have been it would have been T O R I or T O R Y Tory, right? Uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, that's that for that. Uh, um, I did actually. I want to last two things. I want to put out uh, a plug real quick, and then we'll get to our ice up picks. The plug goes to a podcast I've been listening to, Cody. I have been binge listening. Well, not like super binging, but Stitcher and Marvel got together and did a Wolverine podcast. And I am not the biggest superhero nerd in the world. I'm not even close to being a superhero nerd. But I like this new genre of podcasts that are emerging in these like dramas, these audio dramas, these serials that they're putting out. And this one is very good. Yeah, I'm, listen, you may not be a super nerd. I'm, I've always been a super nerd of that kind of stuff, man. I love it. Wolverine is one of my favorite characters. I did see you share it. Um, I haven't listened to it yet. I've been busy, but I definitely do intend on I'll listen to it. I love the X-Men. That's my all-time favorite series. And uh, something that's been trending on Twitter that caught my eyes, some, uh, people are talking f- junk about Southern food today. I don't know why this is a thing on Twitter, <laughs> but I've actually been mean to people on the internet <laughs> over their opinions on foods. Kyle Bailey calling out deviled eggs. I think deviled eggs are good, are good, man. I don't know what your, what your problem is with that. He got some problems with collard greens. I told everybody to stay away from Eastern North Carolina barbecue. Use be in trouble if you mess with that. Uh, some people are talking a lot of junk about gravy. I got no problem, no problem with this. The only one I think is that, do you got any problems with Southern food, Cody? Mine are boiled peanuts and maybe red hot dogs. Like, not a huge fan, not a fan of red hot dogs. Don't like boiled peanuts. Man, I, I, as someone that was born and raised in the South, I I don't have anything that comes to mind that's, uh, that's, uh, that is there anything like sacred? Life. Because to me, there are some things sacred barbecue, cornbread, Brunswick stew, um, uh, Grits. oh. Yeah. Shit, I love me some grits. Yeah, love grits. A lot of people, so Travis Hancock, WFNZ, was talking junk about that. And for me, also, um, something that has to be and must be protected, biscuits and gravy. It's like that oh, and fried chicken. Yeah. Like, folks, you got to deal with that. The hamburger steak, that type. All right. This is the C3 Panthers podcast. We're at the end of the show. We've talked about a lot. And country fried steak. That just popped into my head. Country yes, fried sir. steak with gravy. Oh, my God. Well, man. Yep, yep. You got to love that. You got to love a food that's not the food that it's called. You're like, <laughs> right. that is not, or a chicken fried steak, a lot of people call it, right? And you're like, that's not chicken. No, <laughs> uh, not chicken. Uh, but it's, it's delicious. But it's delicious. Oh, my God. All right, so we got we got three minutes to make these ice up picks. Uh, ice up picks of the week. This is the longest running segment of the show where we tell somebody ice up, toughen up to get it together. Cody, who you got for us this week? Yeah, man. So I, I do this with my my man Joe Riolano, uh in mind. 
Uh, and uh, I know this is something that that's near and dear to his heart, and it's near and dear to my heart as well. Uh, CBS has rejected a medical marijuana commercial that was set to air during the Super Bowl halftime or during sometime during the Super Bowl. And if you don't know, I don't care what your stance on marijuana is. Marijuana is one of the best medicines for children that undergo uh, very intense grand mal seizures um, and um, all uh, veterans with PTSD. I mean, this is a lifesaver for them to be able to, you know, not have to go through these terrible ailments that they suffer from. And CBS pulled the plug and said, no, you're not, you're not going to air this. Um, specifically when you're talking about football players that abuse barbiturates and, and they, they, they take all these pills and it damages them. You're not going to give them access to a natural drug to help them out. This is absolutely unacceptable. If you're not down with medical marijuana, you're not down with me. So to CBS and whoever decided um, to uh, not let this buy, ice up, son. Maybe that's why Tori's putting this out there on top of that, guys, is that if you're going to put on the sexual, the sex, the ED drugs all day long, uh, let's not act like you're too high and mighty for all this, is that uh, there's a problem with pain pills out there in America. Um, so this seems like the least threatening, but I'm going to let Cody take this one. My ice up pick of the week goes to, I was going to have, I was going to go after some people talking junk about like birther stuff and things like that, but I'm going non, uh, non whatever political this week. And that is, uh, in England, I think it was in England. It was a 33 year old man, uh, who injected his own semen intravenously for a year and a half into his own arm, self-developed. It was a self-developed cure intended to treat his chronic back pain reportedly sent him 18 months later with seeking medical attention, but not for, but for his arm that swole up and looked like it was going to explode. The doses of semen were giving him problems in his blood vessels. So you guys, I'm going to tell you this is that you might be able to try to trick and tell your lady that it's a medicine. But, man, if you really start treating it as a medicine that you inject in your body, that's some weird mess. That's some weird, weird mess right there. So, Cody, I'm going to ice up this dude. uh, And I'm going to say this, is that I've always kind of had a weird thing about these types of stories ever since Metallica did an album called Reload. And I learned that the cover was an artist who experimented with semen and bl- his own semen and blood and took pictures of it. And that was their cover. I was like, man, I don't want your damn album. Get this mess out of here. You haven't experimented with semen and blood in your artwork? No. Come on, man. You, <laughs> you haven't lived. lived. You, you haven't, haven't lived. lived. Hey, man, I wonder, I, wonder, uh, I wonder if that guy's right arm feels nuts. Zing, zing. All right. Uh, this is the C3 pants. Oh, by the way, you semen man, semen shot arm, whatever you call that. What is that? A, uh, a syngection. Uh, oh, what? It's like a, we got to find out how to make ejaculation and injection one word. But that is what it is. To you, sir, I say ice up. My name's Tony Dunn. This is the C3 <laughs> Panthers podcast. Jake DeLome says, thanks for ruining my dinner, Tony. Um, is that, hey, is it? <laughs> hey, take, thanks to this dude for that. 
My name's Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. And this is the time I got to remind you guys to subscribe to the show. And remember that. Fuck the Saints. So that's to make all y'all believe in me again. My name's Tony Dunn. Follow me at cat underscore chronicle. Subscribe, share, donate, whatever you think is cool. And uh, Cody, how can they find you? What's happening? At Cody Lack on Twitter. Uh, Tomorrow, there will be a brand new draft on drafttech.com with comments for the first and second round pick. Check that out. That's drafttech.com. Um, senior bowl this week. So hit me up, talk about draft projects, free agency, uh, free agency prospects, um, and anything else, man. I'm approachable. All That's right, it, man. Uh, Joey said injaculation. <laughs> jo- Joey with the injaculation. Oh, all, all right. right all right. We'll <laughs> check you out next Tuesday night, 9 PM. We'll see you then, um, on pirate radio on Fridays, pirate radio, 1250, uh, and hit us up, uh, and, and we'll chat some football. And I'll keep pounding, and I got some surprises for you guys when it comes to that England thing. I'm already working in the background. Got some magic in the works. We'll see you next Tuesday, guys. Keep pounding, fam. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.